Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey listeners, welcome to Amalia Anthology. Here you can find a collection of our most read pieces on Amalia.com, read by the authors themselves, so that you and our readers can enjoy your favourite articles in a new way. This episode, Sara Khulshid is reading her piece, Coffee and Islamic Society in the 15th Century, the beverage used to enhance religious worship. Enjoy. Coffee and Islamic Society in the 15th Century, the beverage used to enhance religious worship. In the 21st century, coffee is consumed universally for leisure and energy-inducing purposes. According to the British Coffee Association, 2 billion cups of coffee around the world are consumed daily. However, the effects of coffee on mental and physical health remain disputed. On the one hand, medical experts argue that coffee is rich in antioxidants. On the other hand, high levels of coffee consumption have been linked to increased anxiety. More recently, the discourse on coffee consumption has frustrated many consumers. As someone who enjoys the occasional cup of coffee, every Ramadan I have several conversations with my family members regarding their decision to quit coffee during the holy month. I've even read numerous articles and blog posts by Muslim social media influencers on their decision to quit coffee. Sometimes the justification for coffee abstinence is to protect one's health. However, some coffee drinkers cut down on their consumption to repurpose their faith during the holy month. I find the decision to abstain from coffee during Ramadan especially interesting. As a historian, I discovered that Islamic societies in the 15th and 16th century used the energy-inducing alternative to alcohol as a beverage to enhance their religious worship and devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during Ramadan and nightly prayers. However, coffee trade, coffee houses and industrialization has distanced coffee consumption from its purpose as a resource to enhance religious devotion. Essentially, the purpose of coffee was to enhance Muslim worship to God, rather than to fuel people to fulfil daily tasks and leisure. The origins of coffee drinking in the Arabian Peninsula can be traced to Ethiopia and Yemen. In the 15th century, Sufi Imam Muhammad ibn Sayyid al-Dabani, a member of the Shadili Sufi sect, imported Ethiopian coffee to Yemen. Interestingly, the imported coffee was brought to Sufi social gatherings for the joint worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. According to the renowned historian of the Ottoman Empire, Chamal Kafadar, coffee was consumed by the Sufis to attain a certain nimbleness of the mind, 
which they were keen on cultivating during the nighttime vigils and symposia. Thus, the Shidhili Sufis utilised coffee as a resource to enhance their concentration and energy whilst performing zikr and tahajjud throughout the night. Of course, historians are in disagreement regarding the significance of coffee in the performance of religious rituals. The historian Stephen Topic argues that Shidhili Sufis asserted coffee drinking as a ritual of worship to God. Despite this, the more popular opinion that coffee was a blessing to better execute the Sufis' devotions to God is supported by the historian Ralph Hattox. Hattox utilises accounts by the Yemeni author Ahmed al-Khafar to illustrate that coffee was only a blessing to better execute Muslims' devotions to God. Eventually, the Shidhili Sufis began to consume coffee during the day. This was mainly because of the energy-boosting components of the beverage, which aided Sufi traders in their everyday labour duties. Slowly, coffee consumption during the day was normalised. Thus, coffee became a non-alcoholic privilege, which was used to enhance labour and religious performance throughout the day. The fact that most of the Shidhili Sufis were traders allowed for the commercialization of the beverage. Throughout the 15th century, Yemen evolved to become a main port of trade for coffee. Coffee beans were transported from Yemen and shipped to warehouses in Cairo, Damascus and Baghdad. It won the appeal of all Muslims to boost their religious performances. In reaction, coffee drinking was concentrated in the main square by the mosques in Cairo. Therefore, the coffee ban was reversed. By 1510, Muslims even consumed coffee outside Masjid al-Haram in Mecca. Throughout the 16th century, religious scholars debated the status of coffee in Islamic jurisprudence. Some religious scholars argued that the Quran outlawed the consumption of the roasted beverage based on the opinion that coffee had not been mentioned in the Quran. Other religious scholars were concerned with the medical properties of the beverage. As a result, in 1578, Sultan Murad III of the Ottoman Empire decreed to outlaw coffee under the guidance of the Sahihul Islam, who had issued fatwas on coffee. Between 1589 and 1592, medical experts and scholars in Ottoman Istanbul found that coffee was useful in releasing pain, sharpening thoughts and preventing vomiting. Additionally, coffee was exported by pilgrims and travellers to the Arabian Peninsula and transported to regions including India and Indonesia. Coffee drinking became synonymous with Ramadan and Tahajjud. Interestingly, the 16th century revolutionised coffee consumption forever. In 1555, two Syrian merchants constructed the first coffee houses in Aleppo and in Istanbul. As coffee houses were popularised, they became known for being exclusivist bastions of homosociality for men in the Ottoman world and possibly also in Europe and the early modern era. It's evident that coffee was disassociated with religion whilst coffee houses became male-dominated social hubs. Interestingly, in 1600, Sultan Mehmed III was convinced by his Grand Vizier 
Coca Sinan Pasha to ban wine and coffee houses. Unlike Sultan Murad III's coffee ban, Sultan Mehmed III wanted to prevent the spread of political dissent in social areas such as the coffee houses. Sultan Mehmed III's ban of coffee houses served to deviate coffee from being associated with recreation in the 16th century. As coffee houses throughout the Ottoman Empire were banned to prevent the spread of political dissent, coffee reverted to being a beverage linked to religious performance at home. As denoted by the chronicler Mustafa Ali, early rising worshippers drink a cup of coffee adding life to their life. Moreover, Ali added that the slight exhilaration associated with coffee strengthens Muslims for their religious observance and worship. Regardless, the reversion of coffee as a beverage consumed at home to improve religious performances was controversial. In Cairo, a man named Nurdin al-Shuni innovated a form of religious worship called the Mahya. This ritual took place on Thursdays and Fridays and led to more hostile perceptions of coffee developing amongst Islamic scholars. Ultimately, fear of innovation and the perception of coffee as a social beverage served to severe coffee's purpose to enhance religious worship. Moreover, as coffee houses were reintroduced into Ottoman society and Ottoman small-scale trade of coffee with the West increased, coffee became a recreational beverage enjoyed particularly by the bourgeoisie. Besides, the religious purpose of coffee consumption was further strained by coffee trade with West Europe. In summary, the main purpose of coffee in the 15th and 16th century was to enhance religious worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The history of coffee in Yemen, Cairo and throughout the rest of the Ottoman Empire suggests that Muslims relied on the beverage to enhance their worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's fascinating that coffee's modern association with recreational activities has encouraged Muslims to avoid the beverage, especially during Ramadan and performance of the night prayer. For coffee enthusiasts like my aunts and uncles, it's perfectly possible to reorientate coffee as a tool to boost energy for religious worship during Ramadan and for Tashud. For coffee enthusiasts like my aunts and uncles, it's perfectly possible to reorientate coffee as a tool to boost energy for religious worship during Ramadan and for Tahajud. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the Amalia Anthology series. If you would like to be a part of the anthology series or want to interview an elder, get in touch at contribute at amalia.com. If you enjoy the podcast and wish to support our production, head on over to amalia.com slash support. Like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.